0: praying that you'll be really blessed and that god will speak into your heart as we take this journey together so please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts good morning saunterers back in the saddle here we go we are sauntering again and we're in the book of genesis what a book (laughs) so sometimes we set ourselves very challenging tasks and i think i might have done that with this one um but let's pray and we'll ask the holy spirit to help us because that's going to make all the difference he's going to make all the difference so holy spirit we invite you to come into our homes, into our lives today. We welcome you as we look at your word that we believe you breathed out. And as if you breathed it out, Lord, you can breathe it into us and make sense of it and make it instructive and helpful for us today. To make a difference in our lives even today. So we welcome you Lord in Jesus' name. And good morning Fran. Great to see you and Tracy Ann and Baudi. Buenos dias and floor good to see you so good morning family yes so this monumental book of genesis it's called genesis because it means beginnings good morning ruth and good morning paul nice to see you all Um, it means beginnings and the book of genesis really is the introduction to the bible good morning jill and kev um it's is is the introduction to our place on the earth, why we're here, here, it's the introduction to um, the Jewish nation. The Hebrew nation became the nation of Israel and uh, it's the introduction to Jesus. It helps us to understand why we should believe in him, what he's all about, why he came and all those other things. So the book of Genesis really kicks us off with a cracking start to theology really. And uh, it probably should be said as well that the book of the certainly the first few chapters, the creation story of Genesis, are not written like a scientific journal and shouldn't be read in that way, really. But they are written more from a theological perspective and from a theological standpoint. And so that will help us if we kind of approach it from that point of view rather than trying to think, oh, this isn't scientific. Good morning, Joyce great to see you so what i'm going to do is read (coughs) excuse me read through i think i'll read a few verses comment then i'll read through the chunk of it and then we'll see see how we're doing for time so he says in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now I'm going to just pause there because that's an incredible little um, opening uh, paragraph, isn't it? In the beginning. And the word there for beginning is the Hebrew word that can be um, translated first fruits. And so we understand that they had a practice where they would bring the first fruits of their harvest to God and offer them. Um, to him as a sacrifice to say thank you for the harvest that's coming and so it's almost like the first fruits of God the first thing that God did really in time is in the beginning the first fruits God created the heavens and the earth now people will tell you and they're absolutely right that the word there for God is Elohim which is a plural word which doesn't necessarily mean that that this is a kind of attempt to establish the idea of the holy trinity at the very beginning it's just a generic word for god but it obviously we understand that god exists in three persons because we've read the new testament and we've read the old testament we've kind of come up with this understanding of god good morning kathy but elohim is that kind of generic name for god and so in the beginning god This is just such a definitive statement, isn't it? In the beginning, God. When everything started, God. God did it. God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And listen to this. I just kind of love to look up these words and just see what they are, these Hebrew words. I'm not a scholar. I'm not a theologian. Particularly, I'm interested in it all. But I've got loads to learn. So I'm just going to preface everything I say with that. And I'm also not a scientist. So you're going to have to bear those things in mind. But when it says the earth was without form and void, in my translation, it's the Hebrew word is something like tohu, buhu. <laughs> a formless and void. Tohu, buhu. Isn't that incredible? Tohu, buhu. It's like kind of like poetic already so god is saying so the so this book this chapter is saying that the earth is formless and void there's no shape to it there's nothing it's it's empty it's barren it's shapeless lifeless dead and yet it says the spirit of god was hovering over the face of the waters now the language here again is absolutely incredible good morning adrian the language here is incredible. The word there for spirit, we understand it's ruach, is the Hebrew word for breath, and it sounds like a breath. It's translated in the New Testament as pneuma, which we understand as air and breath. We get pneumatic and those kind of words from. But this this sense of the breath of God hovering, but this is the spirit of God, There's is a capital S, the spirit of God, the breath of God, the ruach of God, is hovering over the face of the waters the word there for hovering some have translated it brooding and said it's like a, um, a kind of mother bird brooding over her nest or fluffing up her feathers to keep her chicks warm keeping the eggs warm it's that sense of incubation but there's there's something even more delicate there it's kind of like trembling fluttering and the breath of god is fluttering <laughs> i love it it's that sense of whoa something's going to happen so there's this chaotic scene god's initiated creation who knows what that looked like none of us were there let's just say that stephen Hawking wasn't there nor was richard dawkins nor was any of the other kind of loud scientists who have their theories nor were any of the theologians it has to be said who have their theories too but guess who was there the spirit of God and he was fluttering he was brooding over this process and then we have verse three and then I'm going to read on through and he says and God said let there be light and there was light and God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness God called the light day and the darkness he called night and there was evening and there was morning the first day and God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. If you're not confused yet, I am. So he's saying, right, he separated the waters and he's put this kind of expanse in the middle. Not quite sure what that means. And. Um, So he says he separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. So you've got this idea of a sandwich of heaven with water and water above and below it. Doesn't it? Yep. Anyway, let's just read on. And God said... Verse 9, let the waters under the heavens be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the waters were gathered together. He called, sorry, the waters that were gathered together, he called seas. And God saw that it was good. God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed and each according to its kind on the earth and it was so and the earth brought forth vegetation plants yielding and according to their own kinds yielding seed according to their own kinds and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed each according to its kind and God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the third day so he's clearly describing days or chunks of time where God is doing something and he's dividing up things and separating things he's making judgments he's saying this is good the darkness is separated from the light that's good the water separated from the dry ground that's good God is making judgments he's making the judgments that a creator makes or an artist makes when they're creating something when we're painting a picture we say I'm going to put this here no that's not good I'm going to put it here that's good and so that's how we roll let me just have a sip of this and so God is making creative judgments. And uh, so here we go. And so these plants are bearing fruit. They're they're kind of they're carrying with themselves their potential for succession. And they're going to continue to reproduce themselves and live on the face of the earth. Good morning, Pat. And good morning, Katie. Great to see you. And so then there's evening in the morning. And it's the third day. And God said... Light on the earth to rule over the day and night above the night. Uh, sorry, <laughs> to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. Again, we got this idea of separation and God saw that it was good. He's making a judgment. He's seen what he's done. He's thinking, this is great. Um, I'm loving what I've made. Now, I love that feeling when I've made something. I look at it and I'm like, really? Whew, yeah, good job. And so God has got that pleasure in what he's doing. And so God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good and God blessed them saying, be fruitful And multiply and fill the waters in the seas. And let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds. Livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And the livestock according to their kinds. And everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. This is really interesting, isn't it? Because it raises a lot of questions. If you're even half of a thinker, you have already got a stack of questions. And I, too, have got a stack of questions. Just going to say that. So, right, then it says, 27. So, sorry, verse 26. Then God said, let us, plural, make man in our image after our likeness let us make man adam in our image after our likeness and let them have let them plural again have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth that's amazing, isn't it? So God is saying now, God is changing things up, isn't he? And he's saying, right, this, what I've made, is fantastic. I'm super happy with it. I love what I've done. I'm really pleased. Now I'm going to do something different. I'm going to make a being called man, which is Adam, and I'm going to make him in my image, in our image, the image of God. This is this is particularly important. So bear in mind, this is not saying not a scientific document this is a theological statement this is how come we're here and why we're here and the bible tells us that this is an intentional act of god that he made the human race in his own image in his likeness to be like him on the earth to represent him and this is what he says let them have dominion i'm putting them in charge over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock uh, of the earth and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. Now that is, even that It shouldn't be controversial because we know that male and female are how it works. But yet it's controversial suddenly, isn't it? That we have another idea about gender and sex and everything else. And so God specifically made two sexes. He made the male and the female. And the idea is that together, throughout the animal kingdom and the plant kingdom, that is the key to reproduction, where those two kind of complementary... Um, parts come together and create a whole new life or a whole cluster of life so a rabbit doesn't just have one baby but might have half a dozen or more all at once and so we understand that the male and female are essential for this this thing that God has set in motion he's set in continuity he's built continuity into it so even the plants from very the very first day they've got fruit with seed in so they're ready to reproduce. This is incredible, isn't it? And so um, verse 28 it says, God blessed them and God said to them, to the man, to the, to the man plural, to the human beings, be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. So basically everything you can see on the earth plant wise is yours to eat. So it does seem that the early creatures that God made in his image the early man, and woman were, uh, excuse me, someone's calling. They mustn't do that. No, you mustn't do that. <laughs> Not in the middle of a broadcast. So anyway, good morning, Miriam. And so, uh, oh gosh, I lost my place. That was an important point as well. Um. So this man and woman or these human beings that God created on the earth were to be given charge of the earth now I'm really pleased that people are starting to take that seriously and think about how what kind of earth we are leaving for our children and how we're taking care of the earth and there's been a lot of really good progress made in the way we think about our environment and all those things and God put us on the earth to take care of it not to just plunder it for everything we can possibly get and sort of suck its resources down until there's just a dry old husk that can't live and just has that's not how he intended us to be on the earth he intended us to be on the earth as his representatives living for him representing him demonstrating his love and care for the whole creation um in in as his representatives So then he goes on to say, and God said, behold. So anyway, so he's saying, here's all these fruitful trees. You can eat all of them. And then he says, verse 30, and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. So it seems that the whole of creation was eating plants at the time which is really interesting and it was so so you vegetarians you're on a winner right now <laughs> in terms of genesis chapter one and it was so and god saw everything that he'd made and behold it was very good and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day now i have i used to i, I don't know if i think my dad had a bible that had a timeline running from such and such a point before Christ to Christ and then to where we are roughly today and it, it, it was like a chronology of creation and then where Abraham appeared and all the rest of the patriarchs and the important people of the Bible until Jesus and it was only a few thousand years and there are many people who believe that the Earth is only a few thousand years old because of this um, six-day account of creation, and they try and work backwards and think, well, roughly this is probably about how old the Earth is now. Scientifically, we have lots of evidence that suggests the Earth is actually significantly older than that. Now, there's also a lot of kind of imagination that goes into some of these calculations, and and calculations worked out on certain mathematical principles like distant rate background radio waves coming from the far flung reaches of the universe and so on picked up on telescopes and things and worked out then well this must mean that and this must mean this amount of time has happened since that noise was emitted and people say oh we can hear the echoes of the big bang if we listen to it on the right equipment and so on. And so there's a lot of discrepancy between what the science what many scientists will say and what the Bible appears to be saying. And so I think it's really important that we kind of allow for some kind of discussion. And particularly even within God's precious family of Christians, we have to accept that there will be some who interpret some of this stuff in a different way particularly in terms of the chronology the actual and the actual amount of time that's elapsed the important thing and Pope Benedict says this really interesting thing he says the creation accounts of all civilizations point to the fact that the universe exists for worship and for the glorification of God if we read in the New Testament, which is a very good commentary on the Old Testament, incidentally, and it helps us to understand the Old Testament, the Apostle John tells us in John chapter 1 that all things were made by him, that is Jesus, that when God spoke the word, it was Jesus who snapped into action. The word the the Word of God is Jesus in the New Testament, and so... Uh, John tells us that everything was created by him. There's nothing that is made that wasn't made by him. In him, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. So it's like he himself, the second person of what we call the Trinity, father son holy spirit the son who is now jesus that's a that's a point in itself which we won't go into right now but he is he was brought to earth he became a human being for a period of time isn't that incredible but he's the one who created everything and so when god spoke it came into being because jesus made it happen and paul says the same thing in um, Colossians chapter one, um, verse 16, I think it is. He says there's nothing, um, everything was made by him and for him. So Jesus made everything and it's all here because of him. Now, this is the important point of Genesis chapter one. God did it. It's not very complicated. God did it. The, the idea that if we allow so much time in our calculations that things might just happen by themselves and the idea that Stephen Hawking puts out is that there was nothing and then there was something and it just kind of happened because it did for no more significant reason than that. Well, the Bible tells us that in the beginning, God did it. Now, we can get all technical and try and work out how the six days fit into long periods of time that the fossils require to exist and all those other things. But I think in the end, we tie ourselves up in knots. And I think the point (laughs) that is really important is that Moses, who wrote the book of Genesis, was not a scientist. He was not writing for scientists. He was not writing a scientific journal He was writing a simple narrative account of how we came to be on the earth. And the point is that God made us and God put us here. And so if we want to argue whether there was an intelligent designer, well, absolutely, that's what the Bible says. Um, We do get into a lot more difficult waters if we start to try and make the Genesis account fit exactly with what we understand from science at the moment. And obviously scientific discoveries are advancing all the time. Different things are being discovered. Different things make the headlines. People get a certain amount of scientific knowledge and then they think, well, that means the old the whole Bible is a load of tosh. Let's chuck it in the bin. Let's disregard Genesis because it can't possibly be true. Here's the important thing. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he started the whole thing off and then he said, let us make man in our image. And we understand that the book of Genesis is the beginning of the the whole human story. The whole human history is also interesting, worth noting that um, the the second chapter of Genesis will appear to contradict the first one. But the, uh, which is interesting as well, especially if you want to find ammunition to shoot the Bible down with, you can find it in the book of Genesis, no doubt. But um, there, there is a shift in the change of use of um, God's name. And so in the second chapter, it changes from being Elohim to Yahweh and Yahweh, we understand, is the personal, relational name of God, the covenant-keeping name of God. God is a God of families. God established a human family on the earth to be his representatives, to take care of the place, to look after it. Nothing's changed. We're still here to do that, but he gave us this incredible mandate to be his representatives on the earth. And so today, Whatever situation you or I are in, God loves you. He knows you by name and you're here on purpose. You're not a piece of cosmic um, fluff floating around in some trackless universe with no purpose. You are here for a purpose. You're here because God loves you and God intended you to be here. So in Jesus' name, Heavenly Father, be with us today. And as we reflect on these things, and they are complicated to our little human brains, help us to understand the central point that you started the whole thing off and you made us on purpose, for your purpose, in Jesus' name. Have an incredible day, you guys. God bless you. I am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book, The Christing. It's a whole adventure of digging deep into the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how the power and the beautiful, rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page. my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him. But more than anything else, that you would fall more in love with Jesus. So please, if you have not got a copy, do buy one. You can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores, including Amazon, and Eden and others. You can buy it from Christian bookshops. Or you can message me and get your own signed copy. There you go. But do like it and review it because that really, really does help. Thank you so much.